Welcome to episode 101 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Ruth and Michelle. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Ruth and Michelle, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand, as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Have you made New Year's resolutions this year? Have you made them in the past and then failed to keep them? Might you think about doing something differently this year? Today I'm going to talk about looking back and looking forward. Before I begin, I'd like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to this topic of looking back, looking forward. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. The first segment of today's episode of the show will be a discussion of this topic, looking back, looking forward. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I have a reading today. It's from the book uh, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon for December 31st. This is the day on which another year closes. It is a good time for a quiet, honest look at my personal progress. Has it been a good year, better than those that went before? Has the day-by-day guidance of the Al-Anon program brought me to a greater realization and acceptance of myself, the unique individual I am? If I have regrets for errors or omissions, I will dismiss them. The new year which lies before me has no time for futile regrets. I will live just one day at a time, making each one better than the last as I grow in confidence and faith. Today's reminder here says, Again, I resolve to live the coming year one day at a time, easing myself of the burdens of the past and the uncertainties of the future. Whatever may come, I will meet it with a serene mind. And uh, as I said, my name's Spencer, and I'm going to talk about my process this year of looking back and looking forward. And I prefer thinking about it this way than to thinking about making resolutions. And uh, I'll talk a little more about the difference in that as uh, as I go forward. For many of us, the uh, the end of one year and beginning of the next is a is a time for taking stock, for for saying how was my year, and in um, our you know American society tradition at least for making resolutions about how I'm going to do everything better in the new year. I'm going to exercise every day, and I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to lose weight, and I'm not going to be mean to my family and I'm never going to raise my voice in anger and on and on and on. And one of the things about sort of the traditional form of the resolution is that it doesn't have necessarily a specific goal. I can't say, how did I do on that? I can't say, did I achieve it? Because, well, if I lose, I I say I'm going to lose weight. If I lose a pound, is that meeting the goal? If I lose 10 pounds, is that meeting the goal? I don't know. The other thing is that they're stated as absolutes. They're stated as things that will happen. I will accomplish these things. And if I don't, then I can feel like a failure. If I say I will never raise my voice in anger, well, that's unlikely to happen for me. Uh, And so the traditional resolutions 
in my mind, sort of set me up for failure. And the first, the first year I was in the Al-Anon program, I think it was the first year, I actually went to a meeting on, it was either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and I, I don't remember now. I do remember it was a very small meeting, so it might have been New Year's Eve. And we, we read either, probably read that reading or the similar one from Courage to Change uh, as sort of the theme for the meeting. And I remember that I said, I'm only making one resolution this year, and that's to continue to work this program. And that was a resolution that I knew I could keep, and it was a resolution that I knew would help my life more than making any number of, of individual resolutions. And so uh, I've, I've sort of kept that tradition over the years. This is, this is the only resolution I'm going to, going to make. And, of course, working this program includes a lot of things. It includes taking care of myself, which might include exercising and praying and meditating and eating right and so on and so forth. And so, uh, you know, in a sense, it's, it's actually more than the traditional resolution, but it doesn't set me up for failure. I know I can continue to work the program, uh, especially now I've been doing it for a number of years. I can certainly continue to work it. But uh, it's, it's a resolution that looks forward, um, and it's a resolution that um, is keepable. But there may be specific things that I want, want to endeavor to work better, that I aspire to do better on in the coming year, and how do I know what those things are? And that's, that's the real that's sort of the hard part here. I mean, it's, it's really easy to say, well, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to exercise. Those are kind of obvious. But are there other things that I really um, aspire to do in the new year? And I looked at some of that in the context of work uh, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week, I think, actually. Anyway, I had to uh, finish my self-assessment for work. This is... Um, uh, process of of looking at my year at work and saying, how did I do? Did I meet the goals that I set at the beginning of the year, both uh, business-related and personal development-related? And if there were places where my uh, manager and I uh, agreed at the beginning of last year that, that needed work, how did I do on that work? And so I've done that and identified some some goals, both work-related and personal uh, that I need to work on there. Uh, and of course, the beauty of it is that, at least for the personal goals, I already have a program to work on those goals. And I've been working that program on those goals, and, and I was also able to see some improvement. And so that's, that was a good thing. But in my personal life, um, you know, what else? And as I was thinking about um, this topic, as I was thinking about how, what was I going to record for this podcast, I went to church on Sunday, and the sermon, it was the first uh, Sunday of the new year, and the sermon was in three parts, uh, roughly titled Reflections on Alignment, Reflections on Letting Go, and Reflections on Bringing In. And I had a pretty good idea about letting go. I wasn't sure what what, what she was going to say about alignment and, and bringing in, and so uh, I sat down to to listen uh, with an open mind and and uh, you know some eager anticipation, and turns out what she meant by alignment was something that looks very much like sort of fourth through sixth or seventh steps in our program, which is the fourth step is taking an inventory of ourselves of our uh, well the word used in the step is moral inventory it's a, a 
inventory of our characteristics, our personality, um, the things that we do, the things that we don't do, etc. Um, step the fifth step is sharing that with God, ourselves, and another person. The purpose of which for me is to make sure that I own the things that I found in my inventory as my own. Uh, the sixth step is becoming ready to have the things that we want to change uh, changed. And the seventh step is asking our higher power to do that for us. So I have a process. Uh, but she talked about alignment of values and actions. She says, are the things that we do in alignment with, do they agree with, do they come from the the values that we hold? And suggested that this period at the beginning of the new year was uh, a time to look at that question, to to look at what our values are, to look at what we've done, the way we've acted in the past year, and to ask ourselves that question, how are my actions in alignment or not in alignment with my values? And that's, you know, that's a much gentler way to some extent of, of saying um, shortcomings or character defects, partly because for me, at least, it asks me to first look at what I value, what I aspire to be in my life as a person, as a worker, as a parent, as a son, as a spouse. What, what are my values? How do I want to live my life? And then to ask, am I living my life? Am I acting according to those values? And, and where I'm not, um, then we come to the second and third part of the sermon about letting go of the things that no longer serve us, that we no longer need or want, and about bringing in uh, new ways of acting. So let's, let me start at the beginning then. She also used a phrase that we have discomfort in the gap between our values and our actions. And that this, this process of lovingly and, and gently looking at the alignment um, enables us to see that gap and to identify that discomfort. And that discomfort for most of us is required for change. We don't usually change because we're really comfortable and because we get a new good idea about how to act and we're like, yeah, I'm going to feel even better. Usually we change because we're uncomfortable about something. And so feeling that discomfort, identifying that, that gap is essential to the process of beginning change. I know that I've, I've heard it say, and I've said, we don't come into these programs on a roll. We don't come to Al-Anon because everything's great in our life. Uh, and even if after we've been here for a while, we're saying things like, wow, I wish I'd known about this earlier. Everybody should come to Al-Anon. It's a wonderful way to, to uh, improve my life and to, and to live my life. You know, the 12 steps are a guide to, to living my life in a, in a, in a more meaningful and a, and a more serene way. Uh, people don't do that. Just because you say, oh, this is a wonderful thing. You should do this because it'll make your life even better. We don't do that. Um, we need something to push us, and that something is often discomfort or pain. So, of course, if I'm going to look at the alignment between my values and my actions, I have to ask myself, well, what are my values? And 
I've I've tried to do this before, and this is it's it's not an easy task for me. Uh, it's not something that is comfortable. I, I'll say it's not something that's comfortable for me to do. Uh, and so uh, last night, as I was writing the notes for this this podcast episode, I just said, "Well, you know what? I really should list some values that I uh, aspire to." And that word's important to me: aspiration. Um, I'm I'm going to state things as if they are true about me, because they are things which I aspire to have them be true about me. Uh, aspire is a word that is stronger than wish um, or want. Um, it you know it sort of a, it designates for me a spiritual goal, um, a place towards which I'm moving, and a place that I re- I I know that I will never fully achieve. That I'm always aspiring to to uh, be closer to these, these statements. Um, and I know that as, as I grow, that these statements will change. I recently heard somebody talking about his values and, and he, and I wish I could find this. It was a podcast and it's really, you know, there's no Google for podcast content. I can't say, oh yes, I heard this guy talking about values in this way and and please find me that episode and and play me that clip. And there's just unfortunately that that the technology is not there for that yet. And I'm sure it will be in the future. But so I'm gonna have to go by my memory of what it was he said because I didn't have time to go back through hours of podcasts to to find the one where it actually was. But what he said effectively was um, that it's much more useful and but I guess powerful may be a word he used to describe values as statements of how I act rather than as words. So I might say one of my values is honesty. Okay, cool. But what does that mean in terms of how I act? And so I might instead restate that as I don't, lie to people about my intentions, my actions, and the things in my life. There's a statement that I can look at my action and say, did I lie? Did I lie by omission? Did I lie by commission? Did I, did I say something untrue or did I just not mention something that's not true? Uh, and it, and then when I've identified an action, then I can use some of the other tools of this program to look more deeply, but that's not what this particular episode is about. So um, honesty is is one of my values. I didn't actually write that out in the notes, so I was making that up as I, as I spoke. Uh, but I wrote down uh, four values, first as words and then as statements of how I act. One of the first of those was integrity. The statement is, I act in all things according to my true self. I state my beliefs honestly and openly. I'm so tempted to start looking at at how this value applies to my actions and and how they align with it. Uh, I'm going to hold that until until I've gone through the, the, the list of values here. Okay. Commitment. I do not make commitments I cannot keep. I keep the commitments I make. Acceptance. When I disagree with someone, I may argue my position, but I will not diminish their personhood. Love. I express my love openly and appropriately. Well, how have my actions in the past year aligned or not with these values? 
Um, and I'm going to start with acceptance, um, where I said, when I disagree with someone, I may argue my position, but I will not diminish their personhood. And the first, the first place where I thought of this, uh, where actions were not necessarily aligned with this value, uh, is with a certain person at work. And I think I may have spoken about this uh, problem before in the, in the podcast. And, and right now it's a certain person and a year ago it would have been a different certain person. And there always will be those certain people that for whatever reason, uh, rub me the wrong way. Um, there's an expression, uh, that f- in some way their mode of speaking or acting annoys me, bothers me. Sometimes it's not easy to put a finger on it. Sometimes I'll find myself just reacting to a person and not understanding why. Again, the the program tools, the inventory, and so on really help me to identify that. And when I can identify it, maybe I can work through it more easily. But there's a person right now who who bothers me in this way. Uh, the and And I'll give you a concrete example. So People have been asking me over the last couple of weeks, hey, how was your holiday? You know, how was your Christmas? Did you go away? What did you do? And I'll usually say something. Yeah, we went to my parents' house for the Christmas holiday, and we spent um, a little bit too long there for everybody's peace of mind. And, you know, that's a, a brief, clear um, uh, description of what happened. And they might say, oh, where, did you, where do your parents live? And, you know, we can go on with that. Uh, or they might say, oh, okay, cool. And how was, you know, and then how was your holiday? Because that's kind of the, you know, the getting back together ritual when we come back to work after the new year. So yesterday, this fella asked me, so how was your holiday? And I said, oh, it was a holiday. Okay, wait a minute. Like, where's that reaction coming from? Why am I pushing him away? Whereas with everybody else, I have a sort of a cheerful response. So the, here's a place where rather than, just, you know, answering his, his question very simply, as I have done many times before and will continue to do as I meet people that I haven't seen since, since before the holidays, I effectively pushed him away. And in that doing, I diminished him as a person. I effectively said, you're not worth answering this question. And, and I felt that discomfort as I was doing it. I felt that gap between my value of treating people as individuals who deserve to be treated as uh, people with dignity, with their own dignity, because they are all children of God. Instead, I treated him as less than. So there's some work for me. You know, I've identified a gap between that value and my actions, and I can I can point up other instances throughout the year where that sort of thing happened, I'm sure. You know, this process is not just about finding the gaps. It's also about finding the places where my values and my actions are more in alignment. And it's it's very easy to say, oh, well, yeah, okay. But it's important to, to recognize that uh, I have made progress over the last year in the way I deal with these people who, who, as I will say, annoy me, rub me the wrong way, put my back up. All those, all these wonderful expressions we have in English for, um, 
for how we get uh, annoyed by people. I think it seems to me we have much fewer for people that we like. Uh, and what does that say about us? But anyway, whew. <laughs> anyway, I have improved um, in this respect. And I, I you know, I, I remember talking about another fellow who, who bothered me and about how I was working this by when, when he would come to ask me sort of consciously putting myself in the frame of mind of um, being open and awaiting his question and being happy to address his question rather than being annoyed that he was asking me a question. Because again, it's one of these cases where if one per this one person asked me a question, I would be annoyed. And if another person asked me exactly the same question, I would not be. So um, this is really about my acceptance of that person as a person and not, not about whatever it is that they're asking me to do. All right, moving on, looking at the, uh, the value of integrity, where I said, I act in all things according to my true self. I state my beliefs honestly and openly. And I have always had this inkling, uh, inkling's not the word I want here, inclination, inclination to just sort of go along with what the people around me are saying, uh, rather than perhaps state my different opinion, my different uh, ideas, my different goals, just to, to make things go smoothly. And because for me, and probably for most of us, uh, disagreement is uncomfortable, and I'm avoiding the discomfort. And by, I'm, but I'm avoiding the discomfort by at least hiding part of who I am, part of what I believe about how I should live in this world, part of what I believe about how I should treat other people uh, when I, you know, uh, don't speak up or even sometimes when I might go along, you know, perhaps chuckle at um, uh, an off-color remark that really is demeaning to, to somebody, but I don't want to, you know, muddy the waters. I don't want to um, stir up a disagreement. And so I just go with it. And, you know, that is a gap between my value of integrity and the way I act. And it, it's out of alignment. And I don't expect that this is going to change 100% anytime soon. But I can aspire to more appropriate reactions, which might be turning away when such a thing is said. Or it might be uh, actually calling the person out. Um, I don't know when I'm going to get there. And there, you know, depending on the person, different people I would call out at different levels um, of discomfort. But again, identifying a gap there. On the plus side of, of integrity, on the plus side of uh, stating my beliefs uh, and positions openly and forthrightly and honestly, uh, I. I'm much more open now about uh, my spiritual beliefs and about my spiritual practices. And that includes, um, you know, talking about this podcast. I uh, have, have said to people, oh, yes, I do a podcast on 12-step uh, recovery. You know, a year ago, that would have been very hard for me to say to somebody who I don't know how they're going to react. Maybe I've never spoken to them before about you know, anything to do with, with 12-step recovery. And now I'm saying, oh, yes, I'm doing a podcast, which implies some level of commitment beyond just, oh, yeah, I go to a meeting occasionally or something. 
and you know sometimes they'll they'll sometimes they'll be interested sometimes they won't and but it 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 I'm being more true to myself when I'm able to say that sort of thing when I'm able to talk about the ways in which I see a higher power or not and talk about that openly perhaps still worrying a little about what the other person's going to think because their beliefs are different from mine but still being able to to state my own beliefs um, that's huge progress for me um, and a, another example of going along at um, over the holidays one of my children on our last day of our visit which is why I say the visit was about one day too long um, sort of I won't say blew up but definitely expressed um, some of his um, some of the things that had been bothering him during the visit about um, some things were pretty obvious, like the lack of privacy in uh, my parents' house, which was uh, is their retirement home. It was originally built as a vacation home, and so it's very open. Uh, there are very few places you can go uh, if you just want some personal time, some 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 private time. He wanted private time to be able to do uh, work. He's a, a grad student, and uh, and was continuing to uh, work on some of his uh, his research while. Uh, over the over the vacation, and he needed uh, a place where he could do that uninterrupted, and and that was hard to find. Uh, he also expressed that he really didn't know how to talk to my parents, how to how to interact with them, and I think that was a little more uncomfortable for them to hear. It was definitely uncomfortable for me to hear him just saying that. Oh my god because this is one of these places where my values of honesty and integrity go right out the window. Uh, I would not say that to my parents. Oh my God. Um, and I don't know how it was received, but I just remember sitting there feeling extremely uncomfortable and, and effectively unwilling to speak up for the things that he was saying, which I knew were true. And I eventually did find some things I could say. And again, this is progress because it was, it was uncomfortable for me to open my mouth and say things, but I, I did say some things that were not as, Stark as what he had said, that definitely were to some extent trying to, um, you know, pave it over to to smooth out the situation. But I I felt like that was some personal progress and just in being able to speak up uh, and effectively disagree with my parents on a personal issue. I I can disagree with them about, um, you know, matters of fact about what I want to eat about. You know, simple things like that, but but disagreeing with uh, uh, on, a, on an issue that touches them directly is very is still hard for me. And wow, almost sixty years old, I'm still there. Yeah. So identifying areas where I'm not in alignment, identifying how I'm moving into better alignment. You know, and that those are both good things for me. Um, this is a simple one. I can express my desires and needs when they are important to me. I can say, I would prefer to do X rather than Y, or I would like to do X whether or not anybody else is interested in doing that. And that, again, that was back in, back in the day, back in the day when I came to, to Al-Anon and I was a people-pleasing codependent person. If I maybe said I wanted to do something, which I would, probably would have phrased as a question, does any, is anybody interested in? Not, I would like to. Okay, progress. Uh, if, if I said, I would like to you know, do this, and everybody else said, not interested, I'd say, oh, okay, then we're not doing it. And now, if it's really important to me, I can say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway. Uh, and, and that is, you know, that's part of taking care of myself, and it's, it's real progress. 
so and and there are some some places where I've really done that much more effectively in in the past year. And uh, I, I guess I said this earlier. I have openly stated and explained my spiritual beliefs and practices, even when I don't know they will be accepted by those to whom I'm speaking. And I actually, it's interesting. I did this at, at church on Sunday. We had after the service there was a circle of um, it was about sharing uh, our our spiritual practices, and and I just spoke up and said, "Look, you know, this is this is what I've got." Uh, I try to pray. I don't really know who I'm praying to. I don't really know why I'm praying, but I just know that it helps. Uh, and in my spiritual community, prayer is often one of those hot button words um, uh, because there are many people who who came to our community sort of fleeing traditional religion, if you will. You know, you hear people say, "Yeah, I'm a refugee from Catholicism or whatever," and and so prayer is a and, and there are a lot of people who consider themselves humanists rather than theists. And so prayer is a tough word in that, in that community, but I said it and I felt good about it and I felt accepted, which is, is the plus side of being authentic. Um, that when I'm authentic, uh, people often surprise me in their response. Um, another place where uh, my actions are not in good alignment with my values has to do with the value of love of, of how did I put it here? I express my love openly and appropriately, and I, again, improving. Um, I still struggle with expressing all of the love that I have for my wife directly to her. I'm much more comfortable expressing it by actions rather than by words. She wants to hear words. Um, I know that, and so again, there's some discomfort there that my action of not always saying completely and openly how I feel is not in alignment with this value of expressing my love openly and appropriately because appropriately for her means she needs to hear the words. It doesn't mean it's enough for me to go out into the the 10 degree cold with the wind blowing and go to the drugstore to pick up something that, you know, maybe she could have picked up on her way home from work. Okay. And, and, no, no value judgment there. Uh, I, I understand she was late getting home from work and she wanted to get home. Uh, and so that's an action of love for me to do that. Uh, whether or not she could have done it for herself, it's an action of love. And that is one way in which I, I do express my love, but I also need to say it. I need to, and I need to show it. Um, and I'm working towards that. You know, this is all part of the rebuilding our relationship that I've been very slow at, you know. So moving forward, I've, I've done some inventory. I've found some places where my actions are in alignment with my values. I've found some places where my actions are not in good alignment with my values. So we come to the letting go part. What, what can I let go of? What do I, what do I want to let go of? What do I need to let go of? Uh, that is no longer of use to me or that maybe is actively getting in my way. And again, man, she went, uh, the minister went right there in the sermon to one of the places where I have a lot of trouble letting go. She talked about that drawer full of old t-shirts. She said t-shirts from the sixties, my t-shirts are a little more recent than that, but I, I do. Um, I have a pile of t-shirts in the bottom of my drawer that are there, not because I'll probably ever wear them again. Many of them um, don't fit the body that I currently have very well. 
but they have, what shall we say, sentimental value. Do I ever get them out and look at them? Only when I'm sorting through the drawer. And then, boom, they go back in the bottom of the drawer. And I'm not going to wear them. And I'm not going to take them out and look at them. So what are they doing there? How are they holding me down? How are they holding me back? Well, they make it harder to keep, to put new shirts in the drawer as, as I get new shirts. Um, and, you know, I can get rid of some old worn out shirts, but the drawer is, is very full. And sometimes it's hard to open and hard to close and stuff gets caught in the, in the lip of the drawer. And it would sure be a lot easier to deal with if I'd take out those things that I know I'm not going to wear and they're only there because somehow I feel some comfort knowing that they're there, that they represent something in my past. Um, and it's so hard to let go of them. And I have friends who are just, the, in fact, one of my children, uh, just something's not of use to them anymore, it's gone. Um, no, none of this sentimental value stuff. Uh, and that's stuff. There's a word, stuff. We, and I will own it, I, but we also have a lot of stuff. I can tell you true that there is at least one box and probably more in my basement buried back somewhere behind all the stuff that's accumulated since then that we packed when we moved to our current house 27 years ago and it has never been opened. Why do I still have that stuff? Because it had value to me at one time and I can't, raise the mental energy to get rid of it. But is it holding me back? I walk down in the basement and I look around at the piles and piles of stuff and my heart sinks. It's a weight on me. It's holding me down. It's, it's creating inertia in my life. One of the reasons that I don't look forward to moving out of this house someday. And I know we will, uh, when, when I retire, uh, or maybe before, we would like to move somewhere warmer, someplace with more sunlight in the winter. Um, this is a real issue for my wife, has been for the 27 years we've been here. And, you know, we're going to need to move. But I go down there and I look at all the stuff in the basement and all the stuff in the other rooms of the house, and I think we could never move. We would have to go through all this stuff. I think I need to get rid of some stuff. I know I need to get rid of some stuff. This is something I aspire to in the coming year, to get rid of some stuff. And, and I need to work on letting go of stuff. What else do I want to let go of? You know, that's, that's a harder one. What, I mean, I've been letting go of a lot of, a lot of things. I need to let go of procrastination. How do I let go of procrastination? But, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know. I, it, that one's harder for me. But but this this stuff looms large in my life. And, and I look around the room that I'm sitting in right now, and there's a lot of stuff. And I just, I feel hopeless. We'll never get rid of it. It will just continue to accumulate until um, we'll be one of those hoarders, and our stuff will fall over and bury us. And I don't want to be that person. I'm, I'm just, I haven't quite figured out how to get the spiritual energy to move. So need to find that. That's something I want to bring into my life in the coming year. So I talked at the beginning and what a, now we're up to bringing in. Yay. Um, I talked at the beginning about, you know, the traditional resolution, uh, go to the gym, exercise more, lose weight, et cetera, et cetera, eat better, et cetera. Uh, 
I'm going to say I aspire to improving self-care. And again, I have, I, over the past year, I've made progress on that and I've slipped back a little. I, um, I was going to the gym fairly regularly. And then last winter, and I'm going to blame the winter. It was a horrible, horribly cold, hard winter for us here in Michigan. And I know that, you know, for people in other parts of the country where it gets even colder and more snow, uh, they would not have seen it as horribly, horribly hard and cold, but I did because I'm not used to it. And I think because our, our, our infrastructural systems are not used to that kind of winter. And so that might make it harder than living, say, I don't know, Minneapolis or Anchorage. Um, yeah, who knows? Not there. But, uh, anyway, I didn't make it to the gym because all I could do was you know, get up, go to work, come home, eat, uh, veg for a little while and go to bed. That was all I could manage to do last winter. And so I got out of the habit and, and it's been very hard for me to get back into the habit. Um, so I'm not going to say I'm going to go to the gym so many times a week. I should probably say that. No, I shouldn't should. Oh, wow. There's that word, but I do aspire to better self care and I have measures. I have measures where I step on a scale in the morning, uh, take my blood pressure. Uh, if I walk up two flights of stairs, how hard am I breathing? That sort of thing. Uh, I can, I can watch those up going up or down. Uh, how, do, how, how is my back? You know, are my feet sore? Or is my back sore? Uh, the, you know, I can improve those things and I can aspire to approve those things, but it's not a resolution. I'm not going to fail at it because I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to aspire. Um, and so I can look at, I can look at plus and not beat myself up if I don't make some arbitrary goal. I will spend more time with my family in by spending more time with my family. I don't mean being in the same house on different floors, doing different things there. I have, I have had opportunities and, and in particular, I'm, I, I speak here of, of my relationship with my wife, where I've, I've talked before about um, working to rebuild the intimacy that we once had in our relationship. And that intimacy is not rebuilt by, as I said, sitting on different floors, doing different things. So I aspire to spend more, I'm going to say that word, quality time with my family, more time with my family, actually being there with them, um, actually doing things together, uh, whether it's conversation or watching a TV show, that's, we, we spend very little time together in, in any sorts of activities. Um, so I aspire to spend more time with them. And another thing that is, it drags me down. Um, is is money? Uh, I, out of fear, don't want to know uh, our true financial situation, and I tell myself that so that I can, I cannot worry about it. But in fact, what it means is that I worry about it all the time because I never know whether we've got enough money to make it to the end of the paycheck or not. I never know whether our credit card balances are going up or down. I never know if when I buy groceries this, this time is the low balance alert going to suddenly appear on my phone from the, from the bank. And so I worry about it all the time. I wake up in the middle of the night, uh, not wanting to turn on my phone to see what time it is and in fear that there's going to be an alert from the bank that, you know, we've hit that low credit limit, low, low balance limit. So by doing the thing that I'm telling myself I'm doing 
so that I won't worry. I actually worry more. Um, so I'm aspiring to do better at that this year, to do better at knowing the true position so that at least if I'm going to worry, it only happens when there's really something to worry about rather than all the time. Um, so there's something that's holding me back that I need to let go of. Something I want to bring in is being more aware, being more on top of day to day where we are financially. And we'll see how that works out. So those are some of the things I want to bring into my life in the coming year. There are also things that I want to keep in my life. And I mentioned one of those at the beginning of this episode, which is I want to keep this program in my life. I want to keep this podcast in my life because this podcast has become a huge part of my program as I spoke over the last couple of episodes. So you don't need to hear that again. So what do you value? How do your actions align with your values? What do you want to let go of? And what do you want to bring in? As, as one of our ministers says, there's your homework. As a closing reading, um, I have one that was, that was presented actually in, in, as part of the service on Sunday from Kathleen McTeague. It's called New Year's Day. The first of January is another day dawning. The sun rising as the sun always rises. The earth moving in its rhythms with or without calendars to name a certain day as the day of new beginning, separating the old from the new. So it is. Everything is the same, bound into its history as we ourselves are bound. Yet also we stand at a threshold, the new year, something truly new, still unformed, leaving a stunning power in our hands. What shall we do with this great gift of time this year? Let us begin by remembering that whatever justice, whatever peace and wholeness might bloom in our world this year, we are the hearts and minds, the hands and feet, the embodiment of all the best visions of our people. The new year can be ground for the seeds of our dreams. Let us take the step forward together onto new ground, planting our dreams well, faithfully, and in joy. After a short break, I'm, I'm going to continue with the, uh, the section with your uh, emails and voicemails and some news about the podcast. Uh, I think I don't really need to talk about my week in review. I've been talking about myself already. So I, I did pick a, some musical selections for this uh, relating to looking back, looking forward, uh, or just changing. The first one that I picked, and you can listen to the this musical selections, including the all of the ones that I considered in a, in a Spotify playlist, but the uh, the individual selections will also be put up as as music videos. You can listen to these at therecoveryshow.com slash 101, where the uh, the show notes for this episode. And the song is by K.T. Tunstall. It's called Through the Dark. And this song is about uh, leaving a part of your life behind and looking forward without trying to predict what will happen. And that, for me, that echoes with, um, you know, this program... Uh, admonition or, or, or tool of uh, letting go of outcomes. What will happen will happen, uh, and I have very little control over a lot of that. The singer doesn't know what's going to happen, she's feeling my way through the dark. And at first she wants to know what the future holds, trying to find a light on somewhere, but then she realizes it's just better to take things as they come and see what will happen. I'm finding I've fallen in love with the dark.
All right. Well, um, looking forward to the uh, the coming weeks. Uh, next week in particular, I'm starting a new series with uh, listener and fellow uh, co-host Akila. We're going to talk about the concepts of service for the Al-Anon program. And, you know, in, in my experience, uh, many of us, and I include myself in that number, are really not familiar with these concepts. And uh, so we're going to explore not only what these concepts mean for Al-Anon as a whole, but maybe more importantly, we're also going to look at how we use them or can use them in our, our day-to-day lives. And maybe we're already using them without knowing it. And isn't that wonderful? Uh, the first two concepts, which we're going to talk about next week, so we're going to bundle them up uh, maybe a couple at a time. I haven't uh, completely worked that out, but probably not 12 individual episodes. Uh, so giving a little bit to this uh Oh, concepts. I don't know anything about concepts. I'm not even going to listen to that episode. We'll give it a try, okay, please? But we won't have so many of them anyway. So if you're skipping them, uh, you'll have less excuse to skip. The first two concepts, the first one says, the ultimate responsibility and authority for Al-Anon World Services belongs to the Al-Anon groups. And the second one says, the Al-Anon family groups have delegated complete administrative and operational authority to their conference and its service arms. And these two um, raise for me uh, an initial question, which is, what's the difference here? Uh, what is the difference between ultimate responsibility and authority versus administrative and operational authority? And if I start, maybe I, if I look at my work organization or I look at my family, um, I actually see this at work in the organization of, of my church. Um, what the difference between these concepts are and how they act differently and how it's really appropriate that different people um, wield them. Um, Is that a word that I want to use? Maybe. Uh, I can start to see what these these mean for Al-Anon, but also what they mean for me in in my life. So come on back next week and and check it out. I I promise we'll we'll try to be uh, entertaining and um, inspiring. Yeah. We will aspire to be entertaining and inspiring. There's, I keep using that word. Uh, we do welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation, whether it's about the concepts or anything else that we talk about. Uh, maybe you'd like to share a little bit of the results of your uh, look at your alignment of values and actions this year. That that could be interesting. If I um, get some, some good shares on that, I could make a whole other episode about it. So leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions. And you can do that. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can do that right now. This is a podcast. You can pause it, and I won't go away while I'm paused. 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website, uh, which actually has a little bit better sound quality typically than the phone and is free if you're outside the U.S. or if you're inside the U.S., it does limit you to 90 seconds. And if you don't want to use your voice, you can send an email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. So please uh, please join the conversation. Uh, let us know what's going on in your life and in your recovery community. And of course, you can visit the website, therecoveryshow.com, to find the notes for each episode, uh, links to the music that we've talked about, uh, and uh, often links to other things that, that are talked about in uh, in each show. So check that out. Uh, and if you really want to join the conversation uh, for more than you know a minute and a half to three minutes, uh, which you can do with a voicemail, 
you can be a co-host. You can be a guest host on The Recovery Show. Uh, if you're interested, uh, all you need is uh, a Skype connection, or I've done it over the telephone. The, the sound quality is not as good on the phone, but we can we can work that out. Uh, just uh, drop us a line, feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested. And if you have a particular topic you'd be interested in uh, talking about, that's, uh, that's even more helpful. So, uh, so let me know. So we got uh, a couple of emails this week. Uh, got one from Cora Lee. She sent New Year's greetings. She said, Happy New Year, Spencer. Just thought I'd touch base as I listened to your most recent podcast today and wanted to reassure you that from far and wide, your efforts are appreciated and relied upon. Thanks, Carly. I still listen to at least one, at least every second day without fail. I've learned so much from you and the co-hosts, so please also pass on my thanks to them. So if any of my previous co-hosts are listening, thanks from Coralie. An update on my status. I'm finding serenity, no doubt, practicing the principles and using the tools such as slogans and prayers in my daily affairs. I start my day with a five-minute quiet prayer time and use both my One Day at a Time in Al-Anon and also the AA Daily Reflections, as well as reading the big book when I can. My husband, by the grace of God, has almost six months sobriety now. We've had the most beautiful Christmas and New Year celebration since we met six years ago and some fantastic time out during the Australian summer holiday period. I'm so grateful for the program. I attend meetings once or twice per week, and your support in my program is a blessing to me and my family. I have even started some 12-step work by letting a sufferer know of the benefits I have enjoyed so far, and she attended a meeting. A topic I would love to hear about is how to use the tools when interacting with the kids. My three are in their early teen years, and if there is any time I start to fall into old habits, it is when they test my patience. I hoped with your experience with young people, you may be able to throw some tips and ideas out there that we learners could use. Again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please feel free to read my email and name. I hope it helps others to share my experience, though only a newbie, strength and hope. Best regards, Coralie from New South Wales, Australia. And and thanks for that note, Coralie, and I'm glad to, to hear that, that you are doing well um, and that your holidays were wonderful. Uh, and... Um, Wow, yeah, three teens. I only had two teens to deal with, but uh, ah, that's a good topic. And um, I, I won't go into uh, <laughs> I could do a whole other hour on that right now, so I better not start. Um, I will say a couple of things, I guess. Okay, um, that pause button, that taking a moment to think before reacting, asking the how important is it question, uh, and and trying to recognize when I'm reacting because they are acting as teenagers act in testing authority, in separating from family and becoming independent people. My response is going to be different than if they're being, um, you know, deliberately uh, defiant or uncooperative. And sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference between those two, I will say. So, Jen. Thank you, Jen. Jen writes, uh, Happy New Year and congrats on your 100th episode. Fabulous milestone. I look forward to hearing it, but I've gotten a little behind in the podcast. That's okay, Jen. I get behind in my podcasts, too. And then I spend some concentrated listening time or something. Uh, one of the things that I do is is my podcast player can play it at uh, one and a half or two times actual speed. And for a lot of my podcasts, they're perfectly intelligible for me. 
under most circumstances when played at 2x, and that makes a one-hour podcast only a half hour. Maybe not something you want to do with the recovery show, but there's an option um, to, to help get caught up. Uh, anyway, she goes on to say, don't ever take down those really early episodes. There was good stuff in there. In fact, I kind of think you should throw in more best of episodes now and then and go back to some of the old stuff. I know it's there and I can listen to it whenever I want, but it's different when you repost it. I'm much more likely to listen to it if you put it back in front of me. Kind of how, like, I'll watch a movie when it comes on TV, even though I own it and never take it out of its box. Plus, it would give you an easy week now and then, Jen. And I do appreciate the easy week now and then idea. And, and you know, sometimes I think, well, I could have done that over Christmas. But then it would have messed up my numbering because I was, I was aiming for 100 on 100. But, um, and I always have this thought, well, yeah, you know, people say, oh, yeah, I've listened to, like, all the back episodes. I'm like, well, why, do you want to, why would you want to hear it again? But then I hear from people like you who are like, yeah, I play certain episodes over and over. And I would really like to be pointed back to, to some of the ones that uh, maybe I, Spencer, feel are uh, somehow... Uh, a best of. And so um, I, I will take that encouragement in, in mind. And, and the next time that I'm finding it difficult to make the, uh, the publishing schedule for the podcast, uh, maybe I'll do that. So thanks, Jen. All right. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses, which are about $60 per month. Well, you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Ruth and Michelle did. And thank you again, Ruth and Michelle, for your generous contributions. We also um, have Amazon links to uh, books that we like, generally books uh, on recovery topics. And if you buy one of those books from Amazon, or if you click on one of those links and buy anything from Amazon, we get a small commission, which, again, helps to uh, defray our expenses. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. And the second song selection I'm going to talk about today is uh, by Danny Gokey. Uh, it's My Best Days Are Ahead of Me. And I just want to uh, quote some lyrics here. This is really feels to me like... Uh, um, you know, sort of looking back at the past and saying, yeah, you know, the past wasn't completely wonderful, but I'm looking forward. I'm not, I'm, I'm being informed by the past, but I'm looking forward to, uh, to how my best days are ahead of me. And so here's some lyrics. Life hasn't always been a party, but mostly it's been good. There's only one or two things I'd change if I could. I don't get lost in the past or get stuck in some sad memory. Yeah, my best days are ahead of me. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Mm-hmm.